<laughs> it is day four, number 96. With the man, Frank Scalish, our final show before we take a break for the Christmas season and the new year and then return in 2023. And I got to admit, Frank, we're both we're in that pre-holiday doldrum. So I, I give you A for effort for minutes before going live, going and throwing the Hawaiian shirt on to try to liven up the episode. I had to. I, I had to. I, I'm, I'm with you. I. I'm not a bah humbug guy um, by any stretch of the imagination, but the holidays wear me out. They they just wear me out. And, uh, I mean, quite frankly, my perfect Christmas would be just my kids and my wife at home would be my perfect Christmas. But <clears throat> we have a lot of families we got to go see, so it's very hectic. Hopefully the they won't have that on the big screen on repeat when you walk into these festive holiday Christmas parties with the extended family. Oh yeah, Frank, don't want to be here, huh? Yeah. Nice hey, big kid, nice job. big family, huh? <laughs> really? Just yeah. kids and wife, huh? I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb and say I don't have to worry about my family watching BTL. I gotcha. I'm just going out on a limb. My brother my brother's an outdoorsman, but all he does is hunt. I mean that's all he wants to do is shoot stuff, so he won't ever be tied to this show. <laughs> and we both have a lot going on. Like I've tried to get the boat. They're they're all first world problems. I think that's the proper yeah. terminology, right, Frank? Like, I mean, you want to talk about things that kind of st- stress you out. First world problems. Like, like it's too cold to get my boat wrap off. Oh and, yeah, and and your yeah. motor is is choking at a low idle. Like things like right. That. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But anyway, you had to make a long drive this past yeah. week. I, you know what I was going to – this is how dumb I am. Uh, I, well, I'm not dumb, as everyone knows. I'm a genius. But this is how I get stuff in my head, and then I can't get it out. So I thought I, – I took my boat to uh, Fast Bass Marine on Kentucky Lake, and he's going he's gonna to get that glitch straightened out. He's kind of got – he's kind of got it. He's on top of it. So I run the boat there um, Monday. I get up early and I bolt, I get down there and, and I'm, I call him up. I'm like, I'm like, dude, I'll be there at like three o'clock your time. Maybe, maybe a little bit before he's like, yeah, okay, I'll be here. Don't worry about it. So I'm thinking in my head, it's only like, it's only like right around eight, eight and a half hour drive. So I'm like, if I get there at three, go through the boat real quick with him, get back on the road by three thirty. I could be home by 12:30 my time. Okay, mm. cuz cuz I pick up an hour. Iron so, man. Yeah, so I'm like, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. So, I got it in my head that I am making this trip. So, I I get there, I go to open the door and it's locked and I'm like, "Oh my god." I call Tim up. I go, "Tim, dude, where are you?" Oh man, we had to run down to the to the ramp for a minute. I got to run a boat real quick. Um, I'll be right back. I said, oh, okay. And then I'm starting to think, when I go run boats with Todd at Hydromotive, mm-hmm. it's never a five-minute ordeal. We'll have five different props we want to run. We'll do all kinds of crazy stuff. And then you're talking an hour, two hours, you know, maybe even longer. And um, so I kick back. I put the tunes on. I kick back about – Just sitting there. Just waiting. So about, I don't know, hour and a half later – he shows up and 
And the guy that he was, uh, they put a 300R on this guy's uh, V20. And um, dude drove up from Florida to have the motor put on. And then they put it on and then they went and water tested it. And um, so I wound up BSing with him for a while. And then the three of us started BSing. And the next thing I know, it's pitch black out. It's, you know, rolling towards seven o'clock and I'm like, I'm never going to make it home now because now I'll be home at two in the morning, two thirty in the morning, my time. So I drove for about three hours and then got a place and sacked out over there for a while. Have you ever done that? I did that a bunch this year where <clears throat> I wasn't planning on stopping, but I said, I'm going to stop. I found a place that was safe. I went in to see if they had a room. They did. I got the key. And I said, screw it, and just went in, laid down, slept for six hours, and got back up. Never took a single thing out of the truck. Not a, not a two, nothing. Just walked into the room. Crash. And crashed. <laughs> and then just woke up and walked out. No, because I got my little emergency duffel bag, you know, with a change of clothes in it, toothbrush. I throw that in over my shoulder, go to the room, and then pretty much just lay down. But, I, you know, I, here's the funny thing. I was... um when I fish Bassmasters all the time, I could never get a Cleveland Indians game. I could never get a Cavs game. Um, I, I could never get any of the sports that I wanted to watch, the teams that I wanted to watch. Oh, yeah, that was okay. before all of the TV right. where anything yeah. was everywhere. Right. So so I never, dude, never. So I, I always had it, you know, in my head that – Whenever I hit the road, I don't care how good the tribe's doing. I'm never going to get a game unless they're playing New York and it's a national game or down south if they're playing the Braves. That's the only time I get a game. So so the so Tuesday, I get to the hotel room and and it's a, a time difference. They're central, I'm eastern. Time difference. I don't think much about it. I get I get off on this exit and usually when you travel as much as we do, you like on the way down, I go, okay, when I get to the three hour mark, I'm going to start looking at exits and see what's on these exits and write, I write it down. So on the way out, I know if I pass an exit up that has good lodging and restaurants where the next one is in my haste, I wasn't paying much attention and I just drove down there. And then so coming home, I wasn't sure what was awaiting for me at the next exit or in the next exit. So I I passed this one exit up and I go, oh, God, there was a there was a good restaurant right there by the hotel. I blew it. I passed it up. So I'm, I said, well, now I'll just keep trucking. So I get I keep going, keep going, keep going. And I'm driving until I am getting too tired to keep driving. I, I, and I said, well, there's an exit coming up. I see a lot of lights, you know. Mm-hmm. And I saw, yeah, it's a lot of light. So I'm like, oh, good. That there'll be a lot of stuff there. So I whip off the freeway. I, there's a hotel right there. I pull in. I I don't even like look at all the hotels. I'm like, that looks new. That looks clean. I'm going there. I go in there. um, I check in. I'm starving. I haven't eaten anything most of the day. I haven't eaten anything. And it's already going on, you know, seven 38 o'clock. And, um, there's nothing at this restaurant but fast food crap. Not at the at this exit. Exit. 
exit. There's nothing but fast food. And I'm like, oh, my God, I can't I can't eat that garbage this late at night. You know what I mean? So I I go to the, I go get a bag of trail mix. I go, well, trail That's mix. Yeah, trail mix will work. So I get in the hotel room. I got a couple of beers on me. Get in the hotel room and I go, okay, well, I wonder what I'm going to be able to watch on TV. You know what I mean? Dude, I turn the TV on and start scrolling and the Cavs tip off is just starting. I'm like, get out of here. So I I wound up watching the Cavs game, which was awesome. Yeah, I didn't even know. I mean, it was so it was so bizarre. And they had the, they had the Ohio station. <laughs> Why didn't you just whip out the phone? Well, a you have three G a three G flip phone. No, it's not a flip phone, but it's it's a piece of cr- it. It's it's broken now. No, it's somewhere on the floor. So I'm finding this. So my parents did the same same thing. Like you did, you grew up where you're like, hey, I'm writing down where the good exits are. I grew up. Where I'm like, if I, I mean, I'll just look at it on my phone, right? That's my first there. So here's, here's a couple things. So Hallman, Hallman has like a Hilton app or something. So I'll be Mm -hmm. following him. He, I've seen him do it. He can hit three buttons and he has a room reserved and they send the key to his phone. So he holds his phone up to the door, opens the door, holds his phone up to the room door, opens the room door never has to go down to the front desk and he knows that he's at a Hilton. He just goes dunk dunk dunk. His phone goes there it all is and he's in. Wow. Now Hilton's a little high rent for me in most yeah, places so I just split it with him. But then uh it's funny you mentioned that when you're looking for a place to eat. I was on the phone with my parents who are in their 70s, very tech savvy though. My mom's still working, my dad. I mean, but they Good. haven't understood that they don't understand the convenience aspect at some point so they wanted to go to the new fried chicken place on sunday in decatur (laughs) illinois and i call them and i'm on the phone and they said we're on the we're headed to this new fried chicken place really in the mood we've tried to go there a couple times it's too crowded we think we'll get in i said what's it called and they told me and they said we hope it's open and literally like in two seconds i googled it and i said no they're closed on sunday they're like (laughs) they're like how do you know that And i was like because i just looked it up right now exactly on the on the phone and they said oh well, see, but we didn't. We never had any of this at our disposal. You have to remember that we never had this kind of technology. So, when you were driving to some sketchy place, like let's say you're from Ohio and it's the first time you're headed to Hemp Hill, Texas, or right, down wherever, at Toledo right. Bend, are you actually like looking it up on a Rand McNally na- map and then have a piece of paper and write down where your what yeah. your directions are? So it'll say like. 72 to 83 west to 19 yeah. whatever and then you're literally following it just based on the signs on the highway yeah i mean that's how i used to travel when i first started fishing bass masters um that's how i started used to travel with i used to have maps of the entire country and then i would travel off of a paper map the whole the whole way there and, and the, the irony is never got lost not one time um, when GPS is started, when GPS is first came out, remember they were the ones you plug into the your Tom cigarette. Toms. Yeah. You plug it into your cigarette lighter. It mounts yep. on your dashboard. Yep. Um, I've literally got lost twice with one of those things. 
I think the early ones would just say like return to route. They wouldn't reroute you. They would just be like, "Hey, you're off route. It's up to well, you to, to figure out how to get back on it." And they didn't have new roads. Like if new roads were added when this software was oh, made, oh, you'd be driving through the middle of a field, dude. You'd be going. You'd be on a gravel road somewhere, and there's a highway. You know four miles that way um they didn't have all the new roads so it was really convoluted and then i got this one gps i think it was a, called a cobra i don't even know but it was it let you put things in it now okay so we were getting a little fancier so i would go to these lakes google earth google earth something and then put all the boat ramps around the lake in my my gps on my oh, dashboard find what the address was yeah and put them all in and um and then i can navigate around the lake by land so i wouldn't have to run you know by water all the time um which which was kind of cool but now forget about it now i mean yeah i your, take for granted on the boat with deal, your if phones. i want to go put in at a certain <laughs> section of the lake i just whip it up on my phone hold it and it drives me right to that boat ramp oh yeah I'm getting I'm getting uh I'm getting beeped by work. Can you I believe this that? This was your work. It is my work, but but apparently uh Frank, we'll, I'm a little low we'll in the forget. beverage department here. Listen to this. You hear that? Yeah, what what do you what is it? That's the sound of a V8 that expired in April of 2021 being opened. <laughs> a V8, dude, that old? Oh, you're brave. You don't think I should? Well, Holman, I didn't notice. Holman drank one last week, and I don't. He didn't mention any issues. Is V? Yeah, because it's all it's vegetable juice. But I mean, I'm sure that goes bad. It's vegetables. It's only less than two years. You think I should sip it? It's only <laughs> it's only less than two years, dude. You don't have a you don't you don't have a hair on your back if you don't chug that whole thing right now. Should I sip it? <laughs> I I would just smell it first. That's what I'm saying, but I've not I'm not like a connoisseur of uh vegetable juices and drinks, so I'm not sure what it's supposed to smell like. It has a very it has a Acid. sharp a sharp Acidity. odor of uh maters. Yeah, I mean it's it is it's tomato based. Um I mean just dude I can't, I can't help you, man. We're going to watch Mac at food poisoning right on live. How's it taste? Good? Crisp and delicious. Okay. Well, there you have it. We're good. I mean, the show might get cut short, but. Nah, it takes three hours to get food poisoning. You're good. Okay. So anyway, so we are way out. We're, we have, yeah, we, right. we started the show. Where, we have where do we want to start at? We're 15 minutes into to bloviating. It, we, we haven't we talked have. about anything. All right. No. Uh, first, okay. I got. I have breaking news that affects everybody. Uh oh. Um. Let me pull it up here. Breaking news. Do I know the news? Yes, yeah. you are the news. I am the. So news. if you go to Bass Talk Live's YouTube channel, uh oh, there is now a day four. Whoa, that's us right there. Hold that's on. us now. I did that wrong. View full playlist. Look at this. Oh, nice. Starting with 95, working all the way down in sequential order as to when they were updated. Very sweet. That is all of the day fours with Frank Scalish. 
That's very cool. Hey, the blueback herring show, you don't have labeled blueback herring. Yeah, there's a bunch that I don't have labeled because for some reason we just decided to go. Yeah, I think that's it. 56 with Frank or 57 with Frank. So ideally I need to go back and change those titles. Yeah, I think they, I think fifty five was the blueback. Anyway, that was, again, a four, that was a Jeffries decision. So look, you know, it started through like forty five with Jeffries, nothing. One time he was like, "Hey, look, grass," but the rest. And then once we started getting over to it more, now you're kind of seeing. You know what I mean? Yeah, we're getting more of a theme based. Yeah, more. Of yeah, a theme I like based. that. So like it that. during the during the holiday break, if you're so inclined, uh, you can now go back and. That's very cool. I are we like talking that. about anything fishing today? Well, yeah, we are actually. We are okay. Um, LureNet.com holiday specials still going on. Although, what's the date today? The fifteenth. The fifteenth. I I do not know if you can get stuff by Christmas now, but there's still twenty percent off. Literally Norman. says order by twelve sixteen to have for the holidays. Okay, today's your last day. Just to depends get it on what Christmas. your definition of holidays is. Right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> New Year's you, you or Easter? By, Easter. You gotta, by, you gotta buy Earth Day. You got it by Easter. You're good. Um, <laughs> 20% off, guys, Norman crankbait bundles. You get six crankbaits at 20% off. Pretty good. Um, they have other specials on there. Uh, they got buy two, get one free on, on a bunch of stuff. Um, they have other bundles on special, soft plastics, etc. You're going to have to go on LureNet, and you're going to have to look because they keep adding stuff, and I don't keep looking to see what they're adding. They have crappie. All season cranks, ice fishing, and blade the blade baits, baits and custom dinger. There you go. And there's just a, there's a lot, and they still have that Bank and Creek uh, bundle um, on there. They're almost out of them. Um, I've been getting some of you guys have been taking pictures of my illustrations that are in there. Uh, appreciate that, by the way. Um, they're pretty cool bundles. That Bank and Creek thing's a pretty good idea. As far as uh, you know, for the for the for the kids or for the guy who's a, a a wade fisherman who likes wading in small rivers and streams, it's ideal because it's got it's got the right stuff in it, mm-hmm. which is which is nice to see because a lot you know how a lot of those things are they don't have the they don't have exactly what you need. This has exactly what you need. Um, so you guys remember the last show we did. We said, "Hey, if you got ideas, let her rip." Yeah. Well, we got well, a someone bunch. Let her, someone let her rip. Yeah, we. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I'm in my studio and yours and yours. <laughs> um, so somebody wanted to know um, when to fish a swim jig versus a chatterbait versus a spinnerbait, um, and and that I took that to do the show with because. Out of the three lures that are probably almost interchangeable, those are the three baits, the three different types of lures. They're almost interchangeable. There's going to be a few situations where one's better than the other, um, et cetera, et cetera. And so uh, what I did, that. what's that? We're going to go through that. Yeah, so we're going to go through that. So I, I made a, I made a, a list basically a chart uh if you will on 
you know, when, when to fish them and everything. And, and along the way in this chart, I'll have uh, tricks and stuff to show you. I'm not, this is not going to be a show on how to fish a chatterbait, how to fish a swim jig or how to fish a, sw- a spinnerbait, but I'm going to give you tips and tricks for certain situations that you may encounter to help with uh, maximizing productivity with all three of these baits. So we're kind of just going to run through this list. And as I get the things, I'll start pulling stuff out and showing you and we'll go that route on it. All right. We have breaking news before we get there though. Oh, we have breaking news again. <laughs> uh, all right. The day four with Frank Scalish clothing. Is it's out. You can purchase it. It's available. It's done. The logo with the Frank Scalish signature. It loaded to the cork. Yes, it went live yesterday. When did I send you the picture of it? Yesterday? Um possibly yesterday. And I received word there's already been orders, even though I haven't we haven't even promoted it. So here, do we want to go through it right now? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, yeah, I, I, dude, I, I'm so pumped about the sweatshirt. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, you, you guys. All right, so this is on the BTL merch. So, so in order to get to this, and I will send you the link after this, Frank, so you can put it directly on your Instagram account and your Facebook account. All right, you'll have to. And, and I'll out. make a banner for uh for BTL. Perfect. Yeah, the no, so far so good on the V8. Uh, but it's if you just go to <laughs> basszone.com. Here, look. On the website, just basszone.com. And then at the top, there's a tab that says shop BTL. And then click on the BTL apparel store. Boom, you're in. Right? Nice. So here it is. These are the new items. So this is this is what we went went with, and we had a discussion about this, Frank. And this is the right way to go. You had a hoodie you were very keen on that has not been made since, uh, yeah. since me, Desert two, Storm. But here, two, here, two thousand and one. I've had this hoodie. I still have it. I still I wear it almost every time it's cool out or cold out. And and since 2001, and this thing is still kicking strong, except for a little bit of the battery acid I got on it. I got a couple holes on it now from the battery acid, but this thing is kicking. All right, real real close, real quick. This is a Hanes beefy long tee. I was big. I want, told Catherine. I said no. Don't want the neck to stretch out. Don't want the arms to get shorter. Don't. So this is a Hanes beefy tee. Day four, loaded to the cork on the side. That is the actual Frank A. Scalish signature that you use, Frank. So that's available $29.99. So we went a little bit extra with the Hanes Beefy Tee and the higher quality. And then this is like the highest quality hoodie that they have. And I ask about the margins. That's about the lowest margin we can do. 65 bucks. This thing will last forever. It's got the white day four Frank Scalish. Uh, it's got like the high-end deals, the V. It's got all the... Basically, we went an extra... 10 to 15 bucks for stuff that you can jam in your boat and use for the next three, five, 10 years. Yeah. So and it's got, it it's got the wide neck on it. Yep. Yeah. That is money. 
Yeah. And then there's some other stuff up there. There's some other uh, hoodies, BTL hoodies. They're still uh, discounted. Some of the discounted items. There's a Richardson trucker hat down there. These are not patched. These are embroidered down there at the bottom. BTL, all that stuff. And then today, if you order today, this honestly just happened. This has been up there like that. You get it one of these uh, uh, soft shell uh, BTL patch hats, the legacy dashboard trucker cap, if you order by the 15th. Sweet. If it That's says ends cool. twelve fifteen or wall supplies last, if there's still supplies, do you think they get it after the fifteenth? Well, yeah, well, yeah, because because it says or while supplies last. Well, I thought maybe if they sold out before the fifteenth, then they'd be like, "Where's my hat?" And you're like, "Oh, the oh yeah, maybe." I don't know. That's, anyway, that's, so fifty dollar purchase. Like so it. if you buy a hoodie right now, uh, you get that free that free hat. So all right, that's enough of the clothing, but it's out there, folks. It's a cool logo. I love it, dude. I can't wait to get mine. I'm going to order some right as soon as the show's over. All right. We ready wait. to talk? Yeah, talk let's talk. Fishing? Let's get into it. Let's talk fishing. Man. Do you, to, do you want me to pull this up already? Plaster that thing up there. Let's do it. So I, so this is a chart, okay? Basically, uh, I'll just start going through it, but, but basically there's check marks on where it applies, there's blanks where it does not apply. Um, but I'm going to go through this, and as we go through it, I have ch- tips. To to some of them are pretty cool. Some of them you probably already know. Some of them you probably don't already know. I'll even tell you some of my favorite trailers, et cetera, et cetera. So so we're going to tell all basically. Um, so the let's go through the four seasons. Uh, Spring, obviously, all three. Summer, all three. Fall, all three. Winter can be all three. Okay? Um, I'll throw a swim jig until it freezes, until the lake freezes. And basically, you guys know this from my last um, Mobster Swim Jig show, that I'll throw the swim jig with a... uh, swim bait trailer, a pulse minnow trailer, a Scottsboro trailer, or some type of paddle tail, you know, swim bait, like a Kytec or something. And then I'll fish this bait exactly 100% like I fish a flash mob junior, same places, same everything. That's how I fish the swim jig in the cold months, late fall through the winter till we freeze. And then we're drilling holes in the ice. Um, so that's how I, that's how I'll fish this swim jig. Now the spinner bait, spinner bait's a tricky deal because I, I have personally caught fish, um, in water temperatures, 39 to 40 degrees, slow rolling spinner baits before not a main, main pattern, but it can happen. Um, so I put it in there because I've experienced that. Um, is it a main, is the spinnerbait a main throw for me in the winter time? No, it's not. Um, have I caught them? Yes. No tricks, slow roll it as slow as I can move it. Um, keep a sleek profile on it. And basically it's kind of, if the bass are doing it, they're doing it. If they're not, no bueno, you're better off with other lures. Um, submerged grass. Okay. Swim jig is great. And submerged grass chatter baits, great and submerged vegetation. And so is the spinner bait. So when, when I'm fishing the swim jig, 
deep. I'm not not quite traditional style on the deeper submerged vegetation. I'm not traditional where you shake it, where you're using a trailer um, like a like a yum craw chunk or a, a spine craw trailer. Uh, you know, not your traditional swim swim jig trailers. I'm still using swim baits as trailers and I'll slow roll it over the top of the deeper grass. Um, Chatterbait, the same thing with the chatterbait. Now the chatterbait's kind of crazy because there's a lot of different trailer options um, that you can use. I'll use, uh, I'll use swim jig here. I'll use uh, swim jig trailers like the Scottsboro for deeper grass deep i'm talking deep submerged grass i'll use the scottsboro swim bait sometimes i'll just throw uh, just a regular um this i think is a lake fork with no skirt on Magic it Chad. yeah and and other companies make stuff just mm -hmm. like that on the swim jig i'll throw the i'll throw my typical pulse minnow deal um which is usually what i start with um on it and then, of course, I'll, I'll even throw traditional with the spine craw as a trailer. But I'm not fishing it the traditional way. I'm still slow rolling it over the tops of the grass. Okay. Um, that's kind of that's how that goes. Now, spinner baits. Um, I use a lot of different trailers on spinner baits. I, I'll use, uh, this is, a, this is a, a covert series, by the way. I'll use a swim bait trailer this is a pulse minnow trailer uh what size is that are you cutting the you're cutting the nose off you yeah i show about that yeah i hear so here's the full size and then what i do is i cut it i cut it back to the second rib okay and i round it off when i cut it i, I don't cut it straight flat I, I round it off um but i'll throw that and then sometimes um this is the uh, War Eagle finesse spinner bait, and then I'll I'll put a ringworm on it, a small thin paddle tail worm, or a, even a even like a swimming dinger, half of a swimming dinger on it, um, and that's and that's for fishing it deeper, slow rolling it, not burning it. Okay, uh, burning it's a different animal, which we'll get into down the road here, um, but but that's traditionally how I'll fish a spinner bait deeper. Okay. Um, we go into sparse grass. Uh, sparse grass is great because you have targets. When the grass is broken up and it's sparse, okay, you have targets. You're, tar you're really target fishing at this point. All three work like dynamite in that situation. You just fish normally. You target each clump individually, hit both sides of it. If a clump peters out, you hit that side first, go to your high percentage cast first. It's really kind of, it's kind of simple fishing, uh, sparse vegetation. Um, now, when we talk about heavy grass, um, the, the swim jig is, is pretty key in heavy grass. Uh, chatterbait, the only thing you're going to be able to do with a chatterbait and heavy grass, as well as a spinnerbait, is outside edges. You're never going to get the thing through thick, clumpy grass. Um, you could snap it through and get, you know, four feet of a decent retrieve out of it. But then you're going to ball back up into the grass again. Um, I've done this with a chatterbait before. I've, I've thrown it on braid. 
in that situation because because like with my rattle baits um i can bust the braid and i can hit the braid real hard and bust that bait through the grass but that the the chatter bait gets fouled a lot in that heavy heavy grass um so does the spinner bait so so when i encounter heavy grass situations i'll throw the swim jig right in the meat and i'll throw the chatter bait and the spinner bait on the outside edges it's kind of obvious that's not really like you know not it's not like not a trick you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um and then of course stumps they're all good in the stumps um and they're all good in blowdowns and buck brush but here's what i here's something i need to talk about okay so when it comes to the swim jig it oh you know what i gotta go back to heavy grass okay so here's a trick that i do in the heavy grass with my with my swim jigs I'll put a, a, a like a um, this is a yum tiptoed on it. Top water bait. Top water bait. Here's the here's the zoom horny toad, and then the yum tiptoed. When I'm fishing heavy grass with the swim jig, I'll I'll throw this, and here's okay. why, because I can throw this out into the open pockets and work it like a swim jig. When I come to the matted stuff, I can get it on top and buzz it across the top like you're fishing a toad. When I come off of the heavier grass into another little pocket, I kill the bait and it dives down. You'll be absolutely 100% amazed at how many bites you get as that thing starts to dive down. That's why Um, I should have been throwing at the Red River. It is fantastic. Okay, that's a little thing that I've been doing, um, and I will tell you this straight up. When I'm popping across the thick vegetation and come to that pocket and let it go down, that's where almost all my bites come from. I barely, I've I've had them blow up through the thick stuff to get it, Mm -hmm. but 90% of them come as soon as they come into a hole and I kill it and it starts to die. That's a bluegill deal, right? Yeah, bluegill. Well, yeah, this is t- this is the typical green pumpkin. You know, well, when color. they're around that grass and stuff, if you're doing that, they're they're primarily thinking it's a bluegill. Until right? uh, yeah, unless or there's perch. a shad spawn going on, and then you're going to go more white. Yeah, and then I'll go this this stuff. Okay, I still I you know what I'm I throw white white pearl I a, not a lot but I throw white pearl um, usually. I look at the watercolor for that. Um, if the watercolor is a little off, then I'm going white pearl because it reflects differently in off-color water uh, than it does in traditionally clean water. And you got to remember too, a lot of times in the grass, grass is a filter, so it you have cleaner water in the grass. So I always pay attention to watercolor to do my mixing and matching uh, on that stuff. Um, so if we, when we're talking about uh, brush stumps, when we're talking about wood, okay, um, obviously the swim jig, fish traditional style where you're shaking it, running it over all the limbs. Um, you could even shake it, bring it over a limb, kill it, bring it up over a limb. The, the swim jig can really excel under this situation. Uh, chatterbait can be tricky um i've had days where i've done nothing but fish 
stumps and blowdowns and buckbrush on chatterbaits and actually smoldered their brains out. Um, but here's a trick, okay? Um, when I'm fishing heavy timber uh, with my chatterbait, what I like to do, I'll, I'll show you some of them. I'll show you my favorite trailers, okay? Um, this is a big fat twin tail grub. See how oh, fat? Oh, that's cool. I've never seen that bait before. Yeah, it um, it used to be called. It was called a bad mama. Um, I don't think they make it anymore. But you see, oh, how, it was uh, it, it was marketed as a flipping bait. Well, yeah, but I use them on my as trailers on my yeah. jigs, football jigs, and chatterbaits, even my swim jigs. So you see, it's it's fat on the side. It's thin, fat mm-hmm. thin. Okay. Another thing would be. The Explain bug. that to the iTunes listeners. What is that? Okay. It's like a beaver body with a twin tail. Right. It's like a beaver style body with a with big twin tail legs on it. That what is that? A spider grub tails. Yeah, they 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 really move. They they're heavier on the pincher ends of the hooks, so they really move water. They they displace a lot of water. They actually create um, a lot of resistance. When you're reeling the bait in, this this trailer here creates resistance, and this is okay. going to be important. So you can do the same thing with a biffle bug. Okay. Now on the on this bait here on the twin tail, I cut it. I cut it, and I cut it like that. So I'm just going to follow the 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 uh, point of the ribs on it, and I cut three of them off. You see how that is? Yep. So it's got, and I put it on the chatterbait. Now here's what happens. When you rig it this way, okay, it prevents the chatterbait from wanting to roll over because these legs displace so much water, okay, that it's hard for the bait to roll over. This is what you want to fish it in the wood with. Because it keeps it, it keeps it sliding over the top of the wood without rolling the hook point into the stump. Okay, so now some of the trailers that I'll use on this for wood fishing is the Christie Craw. Again, you'll notice that it's going to have wide, wide action on it. It's going to keep the bait flat and not want it to kick over a lot. Um, I'll use a speed craw, even though it's tighter in action, it's still displacing enough water on the slow roll to keep the bait mm-hmm. straight. And then of course the spine craw. Now the spine craw I like because it's here, I'm going to show you the difference between these two baits. Cause you need to know the speed craw and the spine craw are essentially the same bait, but if you put them together, the spine craw is actually longer. Okay. It's a little bit longer. So what happens is I can put this whole thing on my chatterbait or my swim jig, and it hangs back farther off the hook, which means, wait, this here it is. It hangs back farther off the hook, which means these little legs here are going to keep that bait straight. It's not going to want to have a tendency to kick over on you. And this is around wood stumps, laydowns, anything wood that, yeah, anything that normally wood. with a with a, a slim minnow style profile, oh, yeah. a split tail. You you hit yeah. it, it rolls over, hook point immediately jammed in. This allows you to roll the 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 chatterbait over that stuff, right? Like a swimbait style, like a pulse minnow or a Scottsboro or any Kai Tech, whatever. 
it's not going to prevent it from rolling. When it hits, it's going to deflect and roll. That is good stuff, Frank. And so, and there, and listen, we're not getting into. I'm not getting into how to fish it. Yeah, a chatterbait. There's there's a bunch of uh, videos out on how to fish them. I'm not getting into that. I'm just doing little tiny tricks as we get through our our deal here. Swim jig, chatterbait, or spinnerbait, which is what we're talking right. about so, today, and all, right. all the different scenarios. So let's talk about what we're on. We did the chatterbait, uh, swim jig. Now we got to do the spinnerbait. Okay, so the spinnerbait. Now here's here's a couple things that I've learned, both grass and wood, shallow stumps, whatever. There's times when I want to float a spinnerbait, okay? When I say float, what I'm talking about is I want that spinnerbait not to want to sink rapidly in the water column. I want to be able to creep it super slowly and maintain a certain depth range on that spinnerbait without having it want to sink on me because I don't want to have to speed it up to keep it to the top. I want to slow it down. So here's a couple of tricks with the spinnerbait. The first and the easiest trick in the world to slow a spinnerbait's descent down, aside from going to a lighter a lighter weighted spinnerbait because you may need a bigger profile. So if I need a bigger profile and I got to slow the bait down, I'm going to the, to the pulse minnow as a trailer. It's got a big paddle tail on it. It's bulky. It displaces water and it slows it down. So it slows the sink rate down. It displaces so much water, I don't have to smoke it in to keep it on top. I can I can just reel in normally and, and it'll run on top. Okay. The other thing I do is I upsize a blade. So let's say I'm, I'm throwing a four and a half and it's sinking too low in the water column. I take the back blade and I change it out for a five or a five and a half. More resistance to reel it in, therefore raises the bait at a slower pace. Correct. And I can creep it. I've got baits that I float that are just, like one of my favorite baits is is the War Eagle uh, finesse spinner bait. Mm-hmm. I upsize the crap out of that back blade. Really? Yeah. So what are you running gear ratio-wise? Are you still 6.3 primarily on this stuff? When you're yeah, 6.3. Three, three, um, and then uh, I even have... Uh, slower retrieves than that where I'm only bringing in 23 inches of line per retrieve. Okay, but let's just retrieve. do six three. So give us the, the on the six three when you're doing that. Is it okay? So like this or yeah. It... So so like I'll pi- I'll pitch it out there, and then I'll and I'll just One, reel it in nice and two, slow. Three and I just keep it four, and it stays high. Five, okay. You know, it it stays up there in the water column. It doesn't okay. want to drag on me. Um, and so those are good spinnerbait tricks. Now you can also use uh, on to slow a spinnerbait's fall down. You can use a giant twin tail like that. Um, you just got to find them in the right color to match your spinnerbait skirt. And and they have them out there. There's a lot of five inch twin tail grubs out there that they have. So that's kind of that's kind of the trick with that. Um, no trailer hooks when you have a big. When you have a big no. trailer on, I'm, I, there's only one time, especially in the, around wood. Yeah, never. I, I don't throw trailer hooks ever, except when I'm burning them for smallmouth. Uh, that's the only time. Now we're going to go back to a chatterbait because, and like I said, I'm not getting, I'm not getting into the, 
I'm not getting into, um, I'm not going to get into how to fish, you know, chatterbaits and stuff, but they make different size chatterbaits. Okay. So here's what I found out. Uh, we had last winter, we were catching them on small chatterbaits in the wintertime. And what I found out was um, I started using drop shot baits as trailers on them. And a lot of companies make them. Now, now Yum came out with the forward-facing minnow. Um, that's my trailer of choice. The minnow moves good. It's real thin. It's very, very, very minnow-esque. Mm-hmm. And it's subtle. And it does not hurt the action on these small-sized chatterbaits. It does not kill the action on them. Yeah, um, that is so slick. It's just so... It's so finesse um yeah and you can use like dream shots on the back of them i think uh big bites makes a, a drop shot bait that looks like um a dream shot am i wrong in that yeah, man? The, the somali little just little three four inch minnow baits yeah and, and that's and that's what you use on your tiny uh chatter baits because it doesn't hurt the Gosh, action I, I at all done that and i need to oh dude it's just deadly it's it's deadly um, and that's, that's the, that's really the last chatterbait tip I got. Um, like I said, there's tons of videos out there on actually how to fish one and, and you know, I'll let you guys do that. Uh, so we moved down to rocks, riprap. Um, I don't traditionally swim a jig around riprap, although it can be dynamite. It's not my first go-to choice. Um, I, I'll, I'll definitely throw a chatterbait and a spinnerbait along riprap um, before I would swim a jig on it. Now, if it's got a lot of stuff coming off the rocks and it's all cattywampus, mm-hmm. then I'll then I'll go for the swim jig because I can get it through all the nooks and crannies. Um, but other than that, um, I, I would say chatterbait, spinnerbait on riprap, rocks, all three of them excel on the rocks. Um, big boulders, basketball-sized chunk rock, you know, Rocky Banks, they all three of them excel. Um, you just have to decide if you, if the bass want them slow rolled, literally dragging them through the rocks, if they want them bumping a rock occasionally, or if they want them, you know, six inches over the rocks smoking fast. You, That's up to you to decide. Are you um, not going to go with something? Okay, like if you're going to have a lot of color in the water, are you not going to go for a chatterbait or spinnerbait first around the rock, though, before you reach for a swim jig just because of the vibration? Or, or I mean, you're a swim jig guy, though. Well, but yeah, but see, if you look at the chart on the riprap, I don't even have a check mark on. Swim right, jig. but you did on rocks. Right, I but did. But I'm on just the saying rock. that's going to be like a clear, especially if there's a shad spawn something up there. Oh, uh, yeah. If there's like a little bit of sparse cover vegetation or maybe some crappie steaks or something that you want to bring it directly through but but first you're going to probably go chatterbait or spinnerbait especially 100%. if you're just throwing it down the rock and it's it's some there's some color in yeah, the water 100 percent, right i okay. mean yeah 100 percent. um because i'm i'm just i'm going i'm not talking about the fish that break the rules because right. there's you're fish talking that about break the generalities right here right generalities now if we look at burning we look at burning over deep points or burning over water for smallmouth. Um, I've done it with chatterbaits. Nothing's more effective than that spinnerbait. 
When you have to honk something 90 miles an hour, I'm talking fast retrieve ratio, you're, you're reeling in so fast, you don't think the fish could catch that thing kind of fishing. Uh, that's, that's spinnerbait water to me. Um, and everything else is too slow. I want it. I, sm- I smoke. When I'm fishing for smallmouth and spotted bass over deep points, flats, et cetera, where I'm re- literally running the spinnerbait, two to three feet below the surface as fast as I could reel it in. And these fish are coming up from anywhere from, you know, six to 15 feet deep to come and hit that thing. Um, I'm spinnerbaiting all the way. Uh, it's just so effective. It's ridiculous. Now no trailer here, on that. Yeah, totally trailer, but I'll use a split tail oh, trailer, okay. something streamlined and sleek because I don't want drag. And then, and when I'm burning a spinner bait, it's always a double willow. Now the trick here is, if you if you are reeling it in as fast as you can reel it in, and I'm not talking about with a, you know, eight to one super high speed bringing in three feet of line per turn. I'm talking, you know, your typical twenty three to twenty six inches of of line retrieve, and you're burning that thing in. And your spinnerbait's flicking the top of the water every now and then. I'll take it in, and I, instead of enlarging a bl- the last blade, I decrease it. So if I'm throwing a four and a half, I go to a four. This way, I'm taking some I'm taking some of that resistance away, keeping the bait lower in the water column. Because what I found is there are times when you're burning a spinnerbait in for s- smallmouth or spots. If that bait gets too high to the surface, they don't they don't take it. So if I can keep it down, you know, two to three feet below the surface, I catch way more doing that. And and so and I, see, I, I the truth of the matter is, I was burning spinner baits for spotted bass before I started burning them for smallmouths because I was fishing on um, Smith, and we had big wind. And they were on these long, windy points. And I was chucking the spinnerbait. My boat was in 20 feet. And I was chucking these spinnerbaits up the point and smoking them back to the boat. And I was catching spotted bass. And I wasn't hitting cover. There was no grass. It was just pure, deep, long points. And that's what the fish were doing. They were suspending on top of those points. And I was catching them on the spinnerbait. Now, freaking lost art, Frank. Burn it is spinner bait. That's a totally lost art. That used to be like a thing. Like everybody right. that was like, Hey, I mean, you tried, I remember talking to the guys who were, have talked about it. They'd be like, yeah, everywhere we went, we would try, especially small oh, yeah. mouth spots, even any clear water, we would try burning a spinner bait for a yeah. lot of practice. Well, and it, and here's the crazy enough thing. Okay. Um, the reason it's waning now, the reason you don't hear a lot about it now is because we have underspins, um, we have swim baits, we have a lot of things to reach these suspending fish that we didn't have back mm-hmm. then. But the crazy enough thing is, when they're on it, I don't care what you throw. You're going to appeal to a better size class of bass, and it's just a remarkable pattern. Um, if they're if they're not on them, burning them, that's when the underspin and swim baits and that sort of thing kind of take over because the fish aren't 
running up and smoking these things. And so that's when I'll switch. If conditions are right for burning a spinnerbait and I don't catch them doing it, or if I see them follow it and then they peel away, I got to slow down. That's when I go to the other stuff. So you got to pay attention to what the fish are. The chatterbait or the swim jig. Yeah, you on on is when you pivot is when you pivot when you yeah you're doing it too fast and they're turning away then you're gonna say hey I'm either gonna slow down or now you can throw a swim jig or a chatterbait in there correct because you have to the fish are gonna tell you you know they're gonna tell you exactly what the deal is you just got to pay attention to what what they're saying um boat docks all three of them are great in boat docks um. There's really no tricks to it, except I try to smash it into the poles a lot. Um, and then skipping underneath a boat dock. You're not skipping a spinnerbait under a boat dock. Um, I'm sure there's guys that can do it. But, I've never heard of that. But most of us can't skip a spinnerbait. I got a buddy of mine that can skip a spinnerbait, and it pisses Like legit skip it? Yeah. Yeah. Not Remember, like rock skip it. Not like a swim jig skip. Not like a Cinco where it's... Brrr. But he can get one or two, or could he actually skip he, skip it? He gets a few skips out of it, dude. You remember wow. my buddy Troy that I had on the show one time? Yeah. He, 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 dude, he could skip a car. I mean, the guy, he can just do it. I mean, he can just do it. Um, I can't. I can't skip a spinnerbait on my life no matter what I do. Doug um, says his, he, there's a guy in his neck of the woods named Richie. He can skip who, it. Right. That's what I said. I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm saying I can't do it. Um, so for skipping, I'll do the swim jig and the chatterbait. Pete can skip one. Pete, you the man. <laughs> <laughs> the skipping a car is a pretty good one. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, okay. I mean, it's just it's crazy. I mean, it's just crazy. But so, you know, so you, when you look at these three baits, they're literally almost interchangeable. Um, you'll, you have to do tricks to tune one up, tune one down, um, to make it effective. But for the most part, these are probably three different baits that are almost, you can fish them in almost the same situations, which is why I chose to go over this, you know, semi quickly. (laughs) Hey, can I, can I ask you some some questions? So your neck of the, your neck of the woods north where are you north west ohio Ohio? north i know i'm on the i'm on lake erie dude i'm northeast ohio you're northeast yeah so if you could only pick one 12 months out of the year 365 someone says hey you can either only throw a swim jig but you'll never be able to throw a chatterbait or a spinnerbait or a spinnerbait but you'll never be you had to pick one and it was the only (sighs) one that you could throw in your neck of the woods in that kind of midwest part of the country which one are you choosing that's really difficult because I because I throw these things, um, especially like that's if I had to say one, I'd go spinnerbait only because. Oh wow! Yeah, only because um, it's not more versatile. I just catch way more fish on it. Um, it's hard to ignore the swim jig where I live, especially once we start getting cold because I catch a lot of bass on it until the lake freezes. So it's hard to ignore that. And the chatterbait, the chatterbait for me is really a weapon. Um, It's not a preference. 
I'm not, I'm not like, I, I won't go out of my way to fish a chatterbait, but I will fish chatterbaits. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, I, like, I know when I got to be throwing one and I'm throwing one. Um, but I won't go out of my way to, to, to look for a specific chatterbait bite. Um, See, I think you have a lot more guys down around in the south, around Oklahoma and stuff. They'll live will, and die on I a mean, chatterbait. Yo, absolutely. Yeah, hundred percent. Soak up when he made the elite. Like his deal when they aren't biting is pick up a white chatterbait and go down the bank. Yeah, for as I many mean, hours and as long as it takes. Right. I mean, it's not, dude. It's effective, man. It mm-hmm. is an effective tool, and I've caught them in cold water. You Would know? that change if you primarily, if let's say you could only fish TVAs or southern fisheries? For the rest of your life, and you had to pick one of the three, would that change, or are you going spinnerbait still? No, I think at that point, then I got to go chatterbait because there's just it's there's some differences, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like, if like you get a lot of the rocky banks and you start losing a lot of the grass in the lakes, um, then I'm then I'm more more inclined to go chatterbait on them. And then how many do you, would you say you carry of each? Like, it's that time of the year when they're interchangeable. You've got them in okay. the boat. Oh, do you have your actual boxes right there? I have my chatterbait box right here. I'm going to eat. You guys are going to laugh. Do not dump it. I'm not dumping it. I'm not Every time it. you hold up a box, I'm afraid. Literally, you are on the edge of disaster. It's not. We're not going to be on the edge. So here's what I got in my chatterbait box. That's all I got with me. Oh, that's super clean. Very clean. You so got here. Some, those appear to be, are those some skirts on the side? Yeah, I have some skirts in there, and then I carry most of them with nothing on them. Really? Yeah, and then I just make them according to the conditions. Are you, so are those... So here I make I made some of my own, and then I have some that from a dude in North Carolina, um, Ooh. that does them all green pumpkin for me. Ooh. So when I have this blade, it's the guy from North Carolina. When I have my black nickel that I just color with a sharpie. Yep. These are my homemaders. Um. And then, and then I'll just paint the head like for the, uh, for the, for the minnow style. I just paint, I'll paint the head just silver hmm. for the minnow style. But it's, see, it's not difficult. I don't make it difficult. Hey, um, I probably I don't think you ever went through when you throw one without a skirt. You mentioned that you do. Yeah. So, okay. So let's go, let's do that because that's very good. So here, the first time. That I ever threw a chatterbait. I was on Lay Lake, um, and I was actually um, practicing for the classic. And I was catching some fish on square bills, catching some fish on spinner baits, and I kept seeing shad running the banks on this gator grass. And I and I was like, there's. And I'd flip in the gator grass, and I wasn't catching anything. Every now and then, I'd see a swirl on something. I said, "Man, I gotta, I gotta try this chatterbait thing." And so this was like 2001, maybe. 
Um, I said, I got to try this chatterbait thing. So I picked the chatterbait up. It's got a big skirt on it. I put a trailer on it, started chucking it around there. And it was a lot. It was just a lot. So I said, well, let me, let me take the skirt off and just put, you know, put the lake fork on it. I did that and I started slaughtering spotted bass. And so I said, oh, okay. So now what I do is I pay attention to what's going on. So like if I'm fishing a lot of rocky banks, points and stuff that have shad on them, most of the time I'm not throwing a skirt. I'm throwing straight straight swim bait on it. Dude, you were one of the first to ever throw a bladed jig. I just looked up the gear because I, I didn't think it was two. It was 2002 was when that. So if you were practicing, it would have been like 2001 yeah. or 2002. That's, I mean, that was when it was Ronald A. Davis and just like, yeah, they just a very they, small group of guys. Right. Who, they just came out. Yeah. And that's cool. I heard about it. And so I actually made one. You know, I made them. I made about five of them. And um, I never threw them. And then I, it, there, I just threw it. And started catching them on it. So I said, man, there's something to this. And then and then it got really caught on. Then everybody was throwing them. I mean, it was just like all of a sudden it went from non-existent to everyone in the fishing community knew about it. Almost like the flash mob, Junior, the A-Rigs. Non-existent to if you're not throwing it, you're a moron. You know what I mean? And that's kind of what happened in... Um, and so, yes, but, but even though I've been throwing it for a long time, I don't consider myself, um, I don't consider it to be one of my main weapons, even to this day. I use it a lot, but it's not, maybe it's just not my comfort zone. You know what I mean? I just, mm-hmm. but I use them a lot and I catch a lot on them. I, I've had some of the biggest five fish limits ever on it um, for me. Um, but you know, same thing with the swim jig. I have, I had the biggest limit uh, on a swim jig that I ever had in my entire life in Arkansas. And, um, where I literally was catching, you know, six to nine pounders swimming a jig. And it was unbelievable. It was crazy. And this is when swim jigs first started getting popularity and, um, I didn't even know how to fish one. And I went out with this dude and his name was Mitch. And, and, um, I had been fishing for like two weeks and I got down there and we, we were doing a, a photo shoot for, um, for Booyah. And, um, one of the guys at uh, over there said, Hey, you got to fish with Mitch, man. He loves, he's a, like a big bass guy. You got to go out with them. So I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. Whatever. Um, so I, I call him up and he's like, Hey, we got, I got this little lake. It's really small. It's like, you know, 500 acres, tiny little thing. They're eating a swim jig pretty good right now. You want to go do it? And I said, yeah, I want to go do it. Cause I never really fished one before. Mm-hmm. So, um, he goes, well, we'll just take my boat. And I go, well, I got mine here. He goes, no, trust me. It'll be better. Um, we'll just take my boat. He had, he had a, a 17 or an 18 foot um, aluminum bass boat. And so I said, all right, well, I'll meet you at the lake. So I, I meet him at the lake and I had my boat with me. Um, I meet him at the lake and we start going. And I said, I said, Mitch, just fish the thing and let me just watch you 
for a little while. And so I literally, believe it or not, I was sitting on his outboard motor. Um, and I was, he was going down fishing and I was watching him throw this thing and, you know, doing all this crap with the rod and, you know, all the stuff you do. And, and, um, and I'm watching him and boom, he catches one. It's about a two pounder and he fires back out again. And he's boom, he catches another one. It's about a two pounder and boom, he catches another one. So about after his fifth or sixth fish, I noticed that, um, Everywhere he was catching these fish was greener, shallower vegetation. And so I picked up my swim jig and I saw there was a big dead clump of gator grass Mm -hmm. and just floating off of the green stuff. Big dead clump. So I fire my swim jig past that clump of gator grass. I doing the swim jig i hop it up over top of the gator grass it goes down the other side i kill it and the whole mound of gator grass goes and i wham i jack this thing and i got one about six pounds so he's like holy smokes man and i go oh my god the bell went off right so we're going down this stretch he's on the trolling motor i'm just letting him do his thing because Mm -hmm. i'm i'm learning i want to learn this and he's pounding these two pounders, like, I mean, pounding them. And every time I found a big, giant chunk That'd of dead gator one. grass, I just fire that thing out there, skip it over to the top, let it go down the other side, and boom, and I just catch another. Just on a slight, te- just on a semi-slack line, so it's so something you couldn't do with a spinnerbait or a... Uh, no, because you couldn't get it over the gator yeah, grass. Yeah. So it was that bait. It had to be that. It bait. had to be that bait. And oh my God, dude. I, I So he so he stops the boat, because I've, I've now, I've got five fish in the boat. I think my smallest one is five pounds. So he stops and he goes, dude, what the hell are you doing? I go, Mitch, get out of the green shit. We got to concentrate on the big chunks of dead gator grass that are floating. We got to get out of the green stuff, dude. So we get out of the green stuff, and it was a freak show. It was an absolute unadult. I had one on over 10, and I lost him. Trying to gra- I was trying to grab him. And he was tangled up in everything. I had line around gator grass everywhere. And I was trying to get him and he came off. And I was like, oh my God, I couldn't believe it. Was a, I couldn't believe it. Um, that was my introduction to swim jigs. Now, you want to laugh your asses off? I never caught another fish on a swim jig for two years after that. I, I, I tried to catch him on it everywhere I went. I could never duplicate that. I could never catch him on it again. Then I started settling down and started understanding more about the swim jig. That's when everything started to turn around for me, because then I started understanding, aha. Uh-huh. And here, you know what we used as a trailer back then? A giant piece of Uncle Josh. Chunk. Chunk. A What's the big chunk they made? Not an 11. It's one size bigger than the 11. Anyway, whatever that big chunk was, that's what we were using as a trailer. Black and chartreuse. The big daddy? Yeah, black and chartreuse, dude. Really? Oh, my God. It was, oh, my God. That's all I could tell you is it was something else. And I never had a day like that 
um, that particular way of fishing it ever, um, except for except for there. You know they now, brought that back, right, Uncle Josh? Yeah, I, I saw I saw stuff about that. So yeah, so it was it was kind of crazy, um, and then of course now since then, okay, I've had giant limits on them, but mostly in the winter time. Um, and I'm fishing very traditional, you know, very traditional, um, deep, slow rolling, same places I fish, uh, my, um, um, flash mob juniors. Yeah. So I'm going to show you my swib jig box. Cause this is even more simple than my, um, I like the labels on the top. You like that? Yeah. Here, I'll show you those too. Hold on a sec. Let me get these big fatties in here. Okay, that's my labeling. I like it. Okay. Half ounce, half ounce. Wait, let me see that again for those listening. You have three half ounces and three five sixteenths ounces in three colors. Correct. But I have other skirts that I use. My skirts piled up or in this corner. But that's my swim jig box. What do you have? About a half dozen of each jig in there and then, then save the bottom two for fully rigged baits? Correct. That's exactly what. So I got, so like, you know, all these are here in there. All the bluegill ones are here. And then all the green pumpkin ones are here. And then I have certain skirts that I use that I make um, for certain conditions. Like I have perch colored and mm-hmm. and stuff like that that I use. Super for, simple. Yeah, because it's not rocket science. Um, it's really, it's really easy because like when I go, this is my, my chatter baits and my swim jigs Yep. right here. Golden. Right. And that's all, that's all I need. Um, I don't get complicated with it. It's not complicated. Um, you know, I don't, I'll throw a five sixteenth swim jig before I'll throw a three eighths. Um, and the half ounce is a very special niche. So most of the time I'm on, you know, five sixteenths swim jig. Chatter baits, almost all of them are three eighths. I have a couple quarters. Really? I, yeah. So I would say the majority of guys throw a half ounce chatter bait. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I have some halves. Um, I don't lean on them too heavy. I lean mostly on the three eighths for the most part. Okay. Adjust skirts and trailers accordingly, you know, trim them up, bulk them up. If I want to slow it down, trim them up, use thinner trailers. If I want to speed it up Mm -hmm. and then spinner baits, you're all over the border. Spinner baits. I'm a madman with spinner baits, but I only, I really only have three blade combinations that I throw. Most of my spinner baits are skirtless until I get to the lake. Um, I would say I'm a madman because I have a lot of spinner baits, but I don't have a lot of variation because if I want it, like, if I want to wake a spinner bait, I just pull the back blade off and put a giant Colorado blade on it. And then I could wake them. Um, most of what I throw is a tandem, although I do have some singles, uh, specialties. Those are special situations where I'll throw a single. 
And you're you're building all this stuff. You don't carry all it. Like I think we've done a show on this before, where you're, yeah. you're carrying the components so you can minimize. And also, it seems like those war eagles are just prone to rust. Well, I haven't seen a spinner bay yet that doesn't rust, and it's really annoying. Um, so what no I wind- Terminator titaniums did. No, but the time. <laughs> but here, I used to be back in the old days. I was sponsored by Terminator. Um, they made a great spinner bay. They did. It was fantastic. I changed all their blades because I didn't like the blade combinations. Oh. It was very, very, very difficult because titanium breaks. Um, so I would have to heat them up, straighten them out, and then reheat them and bend them. And it was painful because I would... For every four spinner baits I did, I would break half of them. And so it was really an expensive proposition. Now, I, now back then, I, they gave them to me, so I wasn't worried about it. Um, but you have to understand that there's good sides to titanium and there's not good sides to titanium. And the not good side is you can't manipulate a spinner bait. Mm-hmm. For example, there's times when I want to shorten the arms on them and stuff like that. Um, titanium makes that very difficult. Uh, swapping blades. Because like when I ran Bassmasters, I had three boxes just like this, full of nothing but blades. And all my spinner baits were in my spinner bait box, not even made up. They didn't even have blades on them, except I would have, you know, two or three of each of the ones I throw pre-made. But then the, none of the other ones even had blades on them because I built them according to the situation that I was under. Um, and that's, you know, that's kind of how I did it when I was when I was fishing Bassmasters. Um, there was a time we were on Smith Lake in um alabama not virginia alabama and um i came to a bluff wall i had a guy from one of the tackle shops around here that was fishing with me i came to a bluff wall and i started burning spinnerbaits parallel to the bluff wall and i noticed that i had a couple of torpedoes running the spinnerbaits down but they were deep they weren't coming up for the spinnerbait and they weren't taking it so um, I, I told my buddy, I said, remind me tonight um, when we get back to the room, I got to make a spinnerbait. I have an idea and, I, and my, other, my other spinnerbait component box is at the room. So remind me, I got to build a spinnerbait. And he, he gets in my grill and he's like, oh, yeah, you, you think you're going to, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I said, no, yeah, I, I think I am going <laughs> to. And so I built a spinnerbait, two spinnerbaits in the room. I went out the next morning, and the first thing I did was run to that bluff because I had too many um, running the spinnerbait down. We're not taking it. Ran back to that bluff with the new spinnerbait I made and literally started lighting them up. And this dude goes, I can't believe you made that spinnerbait last night and it's working. (laughs) And I'm like, dude, it's all about where it is in the water column. Yeah. And the translucency of the skirt, if the water's clear, you want more of a translucent skirt. I said, and, and the spinner bait that I was throwing, yes, I had a translucent skirt on it, but I couldn't keep the bait down far enough. And they didn't want a big bait, so I couldn't go heavier. I had to take, the, take a little bait and put smaller blades on it to keep it down. And so that's what I did, and it, and it 
you know that and it worked it worked like like it was sickening how good it worked um and so but that's paying attention to what the bass are telling you mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah no that's good stuff and it's a it's a good uh it's a good topic too like i said we we kind of threw it out there for the btl listeners suggest something that you would like to hear the man talk about and i thought it was a i talked to you you're on your way like i said you're driving on your way back, yeah, and I, was back like, hey, I, I got a, a, a suggestion from a listener and he wants to to know the difference between these three baits and he kind of mulled it around and so i got some windshield time and that's good yeah. stuff and yeah, like I, I said here's what you can do you take it real quick you take it you take this show and if something piques your interest in this show about a swim jig about a spinner bait uh about a a uh, chatterbait or a bladed jig, you then take that, you go to the BTL YouTube channel, you go to the day four that is now completely yeah. indexed, and then you can watch a whole hour show on that. So you could take this and turn it into a three or four hour show. Right, exactly. I mean, it's, and that's why I'm glad you did that too with the day four shows because, because here, because I, I was scrolling through that list, um, this morning actually before we went on and um i'm like oh crap there's the gizzard shad threadfin blueback you know what i mean you Dude, could it's literally... crazy how much you've done over the past two years like i know i mean, I mean there's some re- like there is this that 95 shows that are up there that's a solid base for anybody that is getting into fishing, that is learning oh, yeah. tournament fishing, that wants to hone skills, that considers themselves a higher-end fisherman but are deficient in some areas. That's like a that's like a course. That's like, like the P90X yeah. for, for, <laughs> for bass fishing, Frank. It's Right, it is. It's like the bass it's fishing. A hundred hours like of it on there. Oh, yeah, you can't. And I, and I was kind of surprised, too, when I was going through it. I'm like, oh, my God, I forgot I did that. Oh, my gosh. You know what I mean? So I was, like, surprised. And the thing that, the thing that amazes me that, that is that we keep coming up with different stuff. I mean, we might touch on s- something that's similar lure-wise, but we keep coming up with different stuff. So um, it's kind of exciting, really. It really is. It's cool, and it's one of those things that you don't realize. Uh, like I said, we're reaching the end of the year here, and you don't realize how cool all this of, stuff is. Right, It's and the amount of work that actually... Yeah. So thank they, you, yeah. Frank, for oh, taking the time out every <laughs> Thursday as we reach the holiday season. You know, like I said, the next time we're going to have a show is, is, in, uh, is in the new year, so thank you. I, I enjoy every Thursday, and I know uh, the listeners do, and also the the base of listeners uh, that jump on, you know, Clay and and Bastard and Doug and James, all these guys that are on every you know show and interacting, like it, that's become oh. such a big part of the show. It's 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 a great part of the show, and actually, the fans, um, the guys that watch this show are really the reason I love doing it so much. To be honest with you, um, because. It's it's I think this this podcast particularly is such a fantastic venue for a lot of different aspects in the fishing world. Uh, that's why I love it so much, and I love to do it. All right, I did get an email as we wrap things up. 
I did get an email. So on the BTL hoodie and the shirt, right? I wanted to know what the margins were on that because I was like 65 bucks for the hoodie. That's because we went with the higher quality hoodie. So I did get confirmation on that. That's like the lowest margins you can go on that right there, Frank. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I wanted, I did not want a hoodie that I wouldn't wear. Yeah. We're um, doing, uh, we're doing it the on, on demand ordering too. So like they build it as soon as you order it and then they're taking care of everything. It's like, it's, that's the lowest we can go on it. Cause I told you before the show, I was like, I don't want to mention the hoodie because I wanted to get it down to 55. Right. Like right. where the other hoodies are, but then once I, she's like, "Yeah, you, you like physically can't get it down to fifty five because of the quality of the hoodie and then all the other steps that are involved." But I also yeah. haven't gone out and bought a hoodie because of Afco, right? So I don't well, even know why what would run. you, right? Yeah. Why would you? I mean, I did this. I, I, it's the same thing with me with Lurenet hoodies and you know Booyah and and all the other hoodies I got. It's the same thing. I haven't really had an opportunity to go out and and buy one in a long time. So, you know, I, all I know is that there's a hoodie that I have that I wanted and that's what I wanted. And then the same thing with the, with the shirt, it's got your signature in there day four. It's available basszone.com. Click on the shop BTL tab at the top and then click on the shop tab opens it right up. If you order today, you get the free hat uh, the BTL patch, uh, While supplies low, last. low profile <laughs> hat there, but, and this is, I mean, dude, I, I'll be honest, Mark, Mark helped me out big time when we did the initial, the initial BTL merch drop two years mm-hmm. ago. And that money went directly. Like a lot of that went directly to like the 2021 opens to help me get through the last part of the year with people to, and I mean, dude, this is what you do. This is also kind of, you know, people want that stuff, but man, this is, you make your living doing this stuff. Well, yeah. It's your I mean, job, man. I mean, it's not right. just like a side gig. Like, this is full time. This is how you support. Because right. people ask, like, you know, what does Uncle Frank actually... I get people... I just had a guy who's on the tour call up and be like, man, I was listening to that show and be like, what's he up to these days? Like, <laughs> he does it full time. And they're like, "You're no way. And I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah. Like, you ever heard yeah. of this bait and this bait? And remember when they almost won the classic on that bait? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said designed them all well yeah and here listen here's the crazy thing um dude i'll just i'm gonna just tell it like it is right now so when i i've never in my entire life ever wanted to do anything worse than fish bass masters that was that was since i was a boy that's all I wanted to do. When I was, you know, 14 years old, I would be watching In Fisherman or something with my father. And I'd be like drawing crappies and bluegills and then erasing the fins off of them and putting hooks on the back of them and putting bills on them. And I'd be like, Dad, if, you know, people, if if bass eat all these other fish, why don't they just make lures that look like them like this? And my dad would be like, oh, yeah, whatever, kid. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then... I remember when I was young, I think I might have been 15 years old, Bo Dowden won the St. Lawrence River uh, fishing a black and blue jig in the eelgrass. And um, that was when the bell went off in my head and I said, oh, my God, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to be a tournament guy. I'm going to be a tournament guy, you know. And um, so for my whole life, that's all I ever wanted to do. So so lo and behold, you know, 
I have uh, jobs and, and, and kids and a wife and all this crap and, and I'm fishing semi-pro and local events and I can't, I can't get out of my own way with all the responsibilities and everything I have. And then I remember when my father passed away, my wife and I were at the funeral home and um, I looked at her and I said, you know what? That man wanted to do a lot of stuff he never did. And I'm not going to be that man. I said, I'm going to go see if I can make it to the uh, elites. Well, back then it wasn't the elites. It was the top 150 or 100, mm-hmm. whatever they called the elites back then. I said, I'm going to see if I can make it. And she just said, go for it. So I signed up for the opens, qualified for the elites, and never looked back. And one of the first sponsors I got was um, – Pradco Outdoor Brands was one of the first sponsors I got, and they they had Silver Thread back then, um, which I loved. Silver Thread. I wish I wish they still had it to this day, but they had Silver Thread and and blah blah blah. So I became the Silver Thread guy for a while, um, and um, they asked me. Uh, I'll never forget this, uh, Chris was there back in the day and he asked me he said so what do you want to do what do what do you want to do with this and you got to remember i just i just made it to the highest level of fishing Mm -hmm. and they're asking me what i what i want you know want to do i said i want to i said i i want the sponsorship but i want to be more in this industry than just a sponsored pro i want to be part of this industry that was in 2001 I said that, and now today, that's exactly what I do. I design lures, colors, um, do the videos, do the podcast with you, um, and that's all I do. I do nothing else. I am 100% immersed in our industry, and to be honest with you guys, um, it's, it's the best thing ever. Um, I, I thank God every day that I have this life I could live because I can't imagine, um, not doing it. I cannot imagine not doing this. It would, I, when I stopped fishing the elites and I didn't know what was going to happen in my world then was probably one of the most miserable times in my life I ever had because I had left the one thing in the world I wanted the most, um, I left and, uh, to be able to bring it back around and do all this. It's fantastic. It's good stuff. I don't think there's much more to be said as we wrap up BTL day four for the 2022 (laughs) season. Now here's a problem. Uh-oh. I wish Houston. we had some more appropriate music to take it out of because that was a heartfelt and inspiring, but I'm still working with Mark Jeffries' <laughs> 2007 playlist. So. so we got metal. We're closing with metal. <laughs> yeah. Aspire to those dreams. Yeah. Bang, bang it out. <laughs> All right. Basso.com, get the merch. Day four, loaded to the cork stuff. Uncle Frank, I will be in contact with you because we have all sorts of planning for the January 26th show, the day four color that we're available then. We're going to be able to spend some time in the boat, both on and off camera, 
you will be in the new studio next to me. All of the BTL listeners, the Day 4 listeners, thank you very much for a very exciting and interactive 2022. Yes, sir. I want to say Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to everybody. Thanks for thanks for being part of this. We'll see you guys in 2023. Later. <laughs>